Welcome to the Colander Medical Radio Show with Dr. Brian Colander, MD. Dr. Colander is a board-certified internal medicine physician who specializes in the assessment and treatment of artery disease. His medical practice is dedicated to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're going to hear from Dr. Colander about his unique personalized concierge practice and his plan for revolutionizing healthcare. His vision focuses on preventing the events that lead to all the catastrophic diseases of our time. Dr. Colander will explain to us about how and why we develop chronic systemic disease and the course we ought to take to prevent it. To find out more about how to avoid diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attack and stroke, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome to another edition of the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also talk about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Dr. Colander, welcome back again. You always have very informative shows about prevention. But the news last week, I listened to you on uh, Paul W. Smith's show early in the morning. Paul W. had called you to talk about the news of the guy who was got the heart transplant from a pig's heart. Talk a little bit about that. We've now revolutionized into not just repairing hearts, but replacing hearts with pig hearts. Well, it's huge news because, you know, there's a lot of people with heart failure that need heart transplants. And of course, there's not enough human donors to serve all the people with heart failure. And all the news goes toward this crazy fix, which requires transplanting an organ of another animal into a human, you know, like this is a great scientific achievement, and it is, but at the same time, there's no energy or information put forward by the media or anybody, for that matter, about how do you not get in this position? You know, how do you avoid having heart failure when the number one causes of heart failure are all preventable? Well, I noticed on your segment with Paul W. that he did, he did talk about the fact that we're into fixing and doing stents and doing repairs and doing artificial parts to the heart. But then at the end of the show, he was, you introduced the whole subject of prevention. Well, it was an opportunity to, again, introduce a new audience to the things that we talk about every day here and things that people need to know because it's very easy to stop people from having heart attacks and strokes. And if you're able to do that, you're also able to stop people from having heart failure. And we've talked about blood tests on this show that identify people at early risk for heart failure. So, uh, and there's blood tests that we do. So in addition to the whole process that we use, there's specific blood work that identifies people for heart failure risk. And we've, we've termed this microvascular disease. And we've, you rec- you'll remember that, Amory. We've talked about labs that identify microvascular disease, what that really is, is a screen for heart failure. And it's a pretty sad situation because I think everybody's become used to the fact that they're, they have a very good chance of getting 
uh, cardiac disease of some kind, and they rely on the fact that they'll get a stent or they'll get fixed. But I guess in this case, and in the case of heart failure, there is no fix. It's the end of the road. They can't do anything. Well, you know, when the news comes out and go, look, we can give you, you know, animal organs, and it, you're going to be okay. Um, granted, it's a long shot still. We've got a long way to go. But that's the message. Look, science is working on pulling you even out of this, you know, throes of death. You know, it's, uh, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat. And if that's the message, there's no incentive for people to even think about how do I not get here? What do I do to prevent things? How do I stay healthy? Because no one knows that much about this particular gentleman's story. You know, how did he get here? He's only like 57. That's the point. It was a young fellow and he was basically told by his surgeon that you're going to die anyway. So, I mean, it's either you... It happens sooner than later, but there is no way out of this. You're at the end of the road with this heart failure. Well, the thing about heart failure is that it's a self-perpetuating problem. So once you have heart failure, heart failure makes more heart failure. And it's, it just continues like to smolder, not unlike emphysema. So from my experience, once you've developed the emphysema from smoking, there's going to be some long-term chronic ongoing lung damage even if you quit, that doesn't mean you shouldn't quit. It just means that the sooner you quit, the less of that damage there is. Same thing with heart failure. The process of inflammation and damage within the heart that leads to heart failure continues the damage ongoing, and it'll kill everybody that has it. And transplants, the only cure for heart failure. And as you said, there aren't enough human hearts around to fulfill the need as we move forward. But not much is being said about prevention, and that's what your whole practice is about. Well, that's really what we should talk about today is how do I identify heart failure? And actually, how do we identify the causes of heart failure early so that we cannot have heart failure in the first place? And there are so many different causes of heart failure that are avoidable. Yeah, and just thinking about this particular patient was only 57 years old and was coming to the end of his life through heart failure. And the reason he was not a candidate for a human heart transplant is because he did not follow any doctor recommendations. You know, he didn't follow any lifestyle suggestions. He didn't take the medications he was prescribed. And he also didn't keep any appointments. And the messaging here is horrible. You know, it's you can basically, you know, give the middle finger to the medical establishment and still get some opportunity to save your life at the end of the day on the taxpayer. Right. You know, so science and research money grants are going to save you. And probably the reason you've got to go to someone like this is because that's all he's got. Right. And it's kind of pathetic. Totally. So let's come back on the other side of the break and talk more about prevention and how to avoid these types of catastrophes. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show, and if you are interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR.
Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also talk about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we're encouraging you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. Dr. Colander, we've been talking about the patient who got the pig heart transplant because he was at the end of the road. Unfortunately, he was going to pass on from his disease at 57 years old. I wonder, do people really understand what heart failure is? Not what is really. heart failure? Um, so heart failure is a failure of the heart pump. So the heart pump can fail in two different ways. One is it cannot move forward. So you can have heart like a, a heart failure where the blood is not being pumped out and there's heart failure where the heart is not relaxing properly. So now those have names and medical names but I'll say they're beyond the scope of the show. I'll say a listener doesn't need to know that. But each of these different kinds of heart failures have causes that are preventable. And, you know. They're not repairable, though. No, You can't like, repair heart failure. Let's be clear about this. Right. Like we said, once you have heart failure and the measure of function of your heart, which is considered the ejection fraction, which, and that's a, a measure of the heart pumping strength, once that ejection fun function drops, uh, sorry, ejection fraction drops, below a certain percent, say below 50, you're kind of on this vicious cycle of damage makes more damage. And, you know, it might take 20 years or 30 years to die from heart failure, but you're going to die. You know, if, you live that, yeah, right. well, if you live long enough, it's going to kill you. Um, but the problem is along the way, your quality of life is suffering. Right. You're on medicines that take your energy. You have low blood pressure. Um, multiple medications. Maybe you're on a blood thinner. Maybe you need a defibrillator, you know, like a pacemaker that shocks your heart if you if you have irregular heartbeats. And, you know, none of that equates to a great quality of life. And if your goal is to be active, go to family functions, enjoy your grandkids, well, then heart failure is something you kind of want to avoid. And it's amazing to think about, as you said, you can have it for a long time and be somewhat dysfunctional or somewhat handicapped by the disease. And not know. And not know. And like the lady who called the live show last week. Right. Who said, you know, her husband's in her 50s and he gets diagnosed in his 50s with severe heart failure. So a normal ejection fraction is, a below, is above 50%. So 50 to 65%. And this woman called her husband just got, got diagnosed, and he's around 30%. You know, how many years of that is a, a failure before he gets picked up? And so because it happens so slowly, the loss of function quality of life is so slow, you don't notice. It's almost like a silent killer. It's, it's a slow death. It's a right. real slow death, and you may not know. And so... Even, like we said, it, it's an it's an ongoing process that just keeps that just degrades over time, and so even if the cause that did it was a one-time event, 
the damage is done, the inflammation's there, and it continues to degrade your heart function like a virus. So unfortunately, some of these causes are not, are not preventable like a virus. There is such a thing as viral cardiomyopathy, and cardiomyopathy is a, another medical term which basically equates to heart failure. Your heart gets damaged, the muscle tissue's damaged. It's from a virus. And that also can't be repaired. No, and that's just bad luck. You know, you got a virus and it's bad luck. Um, same thing with congenital heart failure. You're born with um, a congenital malformation that predisposes you to heart failure. Now, this is where transplants should be. You know, the energy for transplants should be placed. is in pediatric um, cases of cardiomyopathy from congenital malformations. You know, that's where it should be. And not giving some 57-year-old guy who didn't take care of himself ever, you know, a chance of life. Now, I'm not, so, so this, our, that's where our energy should be spent, giving kids a chance to have a full life moving forward. But on the other hand, I have to say in his defense, um, and also the patient who called at your Thursday night live show at 7 o'clock, you got a patient who called in last week whose husband was diagnosed with heart failure at 54. These two people, the patient that got the pig heart transplant and the caller that called your show on Thursday night, they were probably in the dark, didn't know how sick they were, even although they may have been negligent with their health care. Nobody told them 20 years before, or 15 years before, here's what you need to do. There, nobody's talking about the test. Nobody's talking about prevention. Nobody's telling people how they ought to live in order to avoid these types of terminal diseases. Well, I can't speak for any of that because I'm not their doctor, but I think pig heart guy was given warnings and he was not compliant with care. And the caller, it sound, I got from the sense of the call was, this was like a new diagnosis and they had no idea. But regardless, the general population can develop heart failure, have it for years, if not decades, not know, and it really is not always easy to diagnose if it's compensated. And compensated means you're generally healthy enough to kind of live with it for a long time and not notice. Um, so I think we should get to prevention. You know, and obviously the listeners will know the number one cause of heart failure is heart disease, coronary artery disease, heart attacks, atherosclerosis. Those are all terms for damage caused by plaque. So regular listeners will know already that the number one cause of heart failure is readily preventable and no one knows it other than you and that there's a process to identify disease early and manage it so that you don't, that you put it to sleep and have it not cause you any problems and thus avoid heart failure. Well, the sad thing is that your primary care physician is not talking about the you know, the ultimate journey that people are on because they, you know, most people listening to the show and most patients are just going to see their doctor for five minutes here and there. And nobody is talking about prevention. No doctors are talking about prevention. So the average listener, the average patient doesn't know what to do to prevent this type of situation where they get cardiac disease or they get plaque. And how do they get plaque in the first place? Well, I'm going to segue back to heart failure okay. because the problem with heart failure is the same with the problem with heart disease and plaque, which is the drugs for the condition are only indicated for people who have heart failure. So once you have a basically lethal condition, 
now the drugs are available. And so the awareness, the disease identification isn't in place because insurance does not cover screening. And if we were to screen for disease at an earlier stage and start the process of disease management decades ahead of time, we have a chance to forego the conclusion of the condition that kills people. That's really what it all is, whether it's heart disease, heart attack, or heart failure, kidney failure, diabetes, dementia, identify the underlying condition at the earliest possible point, and then start searching for root causes. And a lot of the root causes that also cause heart attack and stroke cause heart failure independently. Well, we've had, you know, so many discussions on your radio shows about what those primary tests are that people need to get, screening tests. They have to know about it, first of all, the CT cardiac calcium scoring test and the CIMT. But again, that's like most people, their, their doctors don't talk about it. Patients don't know about it. They need to be educated. And we'll talk about that next segment and get into the details about that. We'll go into the details on testing. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. And we're here talking with Dr. Brian Collander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Collander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's also going to be discussing the simple tests that are available and necessary, which lead to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. And before we go back to testing, I'd just like to tell listeners, for those of you who may be new listeners or aren't aware of it, Dr. Colander is on live every Thursday following Mitch Album, 7 p.m. And he is taking calls. It's a live show. If you want to talk to the doctor directly about any of the subjects we're discussing on any of the shows, don't hesitate to tune in Thursdays at 7 o'clock. Dr. Collender, tell us a little bit more about what testing people ought to be doing. Well, we all know the main test which we promote is the CIMT, carotid intima media thickness test. And that is an ultrasound of the carotid artery wall that measures the layers of your artery wall where inflammation occurs. So what's important here is that this is an objective measurement of your artery health that we can use to track our progress over time. And so, I mean, I'm using this every year on my patients to say, okay, are we really doing a good job? And that's the major basis of our, of our success or failure. I won't say failure, but do we need to make changes or are we on the right course? Um, when it comes to heart failure, we need to consider other blood tests that I do on my patients. And we've talked about these on the show as well. Um, now, are you the only one that's doing these blood tests? The only ones I know. Okay. You know, so we do a blood, there's a few blood tests. One of them 
is called Galactin 3. And Galactin 3 looks at the damage to cardio, uh, cardiac muscle cells, very few of them. So if a capillary, which is a small, small artery where oxygen exchange occurs on a cellular level, is blocked, meaning microvascular disease, that specific capillary is going to blockage will will result in just a, a small number of myocardial cells dying, and that blood test picks it up. Now, when you say that, my question to you is, you know, we're all going to see our primary care physician every year for an annual physical, and are the other primary care physicians doing this test just in case you might have this marker. <laughs> well, you know they're no, not. I know, I know, I mean, but I mean, it's like it's amazing. Why not? Because if this is a way to get the clue as to the you know situation that you're in, there's just no chance. I mean, if they know about it, I'll be impressed. But they're just not doing it unless they've, you know, they're in a concierge model where they have the chance to do that kind of, you know, spend the time and have the infrastructure in place to do that kind of work. Um, another blood test that we do is called um, NT Pro BNP. Now, this is a blood test that is done, um, and NT Pro BNP is a blood test that goes up when the pressure inside the heart, say, if there's too much volume in the heart, and the heart muscle needs to expand under this increased volume pressure, that will raise that blood test. Now, a lot of doctors do that test but only when a patient presents in heart failure. But heart failure is the end of the road, though. Agree. That's, That's yeah. the problem. Do the test when the patient's healthy. And if you see slight increases in these blood tests, that's a sign that we have more work to do. The patient does, and so do I. That we're, because sometimes the CIMT can look good, the inflammation markers that I do can look good, but these microvascular disease markers are elevated. That just means we have to work harder, and we've got to dig deeper, and the patient has to try harder. And so this is like a far look in the future, and microvascular disease, even though we're talking about cardiac function, this is also brain health. You know, these same capillaries, microscopic arterioles are feeding your brain cells. Artery disease is systemic. So a lot of these conditions relate to each other. People with insulin resistance also get dementia. People with hormone imbalance get dementia, heart failure. You know, all we're learning all of these different drivers of disease are all interrelated and all cause chronic illness. So you talk a lot on your shows about we we need to first of all run the test to identify plaque. I think a lot of listeners now know what plaque is or they've heard of it before. Is inflammation the cause of plaque? Inflammation is a definite cause of plaque. And that's, I think, the main driver of disease is inflammation. Well, and wait, my next question to you is what causes inflammation? Are we born with it? Do we acquire it? How do we get it? What age do we get it at? Who gets it? Well, we all have inflammation all the time. Inflammation is your body's response to injury, and how your body responds to injury dictates your health. And so I'm going to keep this conversation to heart disease. Okay. But if you're, you know, able to heal your inflammation, 
then you're going to heal your arteries. So how do we heal our inflammation? Number one is you want to shut down all the injury sources. So what's injuring you? You know, your environment, the food, oxygen, you know, metals, bacteria, smoking. Stop injuring your arteries with, you know, and improve your local environment and identify other drivers of inflammation like insulin resistance, low blood oxygen from sleep disorders, um, vitamin deficiencies. Those are all, and, and gut health sources of inflammation. So there's a lot of different drivers of inflammation that we have to figure out what's going on in each person. And that's why it takes an hour and a half, two hours, multiple times a year to sit down and talk to people to make sure that we're uncovering all of these different areas. So there's no one size fits all then in testing and in diagnosing. It's like everyone has their own profile and you've got to use all of these a smorgasbord of all these different tests to, to, to basically probe. Absolutely. And I mean, as the practice, as I'm evolving my practice, I'm, I'm just starting to have everybody screen for everything. You know, I used to start with a little bit and then who needs what, leave some people alone. And, and I've learned you just can't make any assumptions at all. So even like we said, even if someone's CIMT looks good, the vascular inflammation blood tests that we measure look good and all of the general, I'll say even deeper level picture that I take looks great. You know, maybe I do their microvascular lab test that looks good. How do I know they don't have oral health problems as a driver of disease without looking? How do I know someone doesn't have sleep apnea even though they don't have sleep, sleep symptoms? I've seen it enough in my practice where you just have to look and you can't make any assumption at all. So should everybody be getting, you know, an oral exam of the bacteria in their mouth and should they also be all getting a sleep apnea test or are there indicators? I'm going to say yes. They just yes, all for everybody. Should. Yeah, I'm just, it should all be screened. Well, since practically nobody's getting told this by their doctor, at what age should they start on this journey of getting screened for absolutely everything? Well, so 30, we don't miss anything? 30 years old. Or now with, you know, we're learning with COVID, it could be earlier. I've got a 22-year-old uh, person in my office, you know, who looks as healthy as can be. She has plaque, 22. Um, so, you know, when do you start? We're, you know, we live in a toxic environment. It's never too early. If you care enough to learn, we'll look. And you can't rely on the fact that you have a healthy lifestyle. A lot of people think if they run and they exercise, and they belong to a gym and they eat what they call healthy food, that they're okay. They go and they get their annual physical and they get a couple of, you know, small tests that they skip through. That you doesn't guarantee. You can't assume anything. So you just have to absolutely embark on this journey rather early. Start you right about you 30 look. years old. You have to look. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, 
board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Collender is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's also talking to us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Collender directly at 866-COLLENDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. Dr. Collender, we've been talking about, we started the show about the news about the pig transplant and the man at 57 years old who had heart failure. I feel that a lot of people don't know how you get it, who gets it. What are the other causes of heart failure? Well, the an obvious common cause is drug abuse. You know, and this is a whole other thing, but alcohol causes heart failure. Cocaine causes heart failure. Um, so in patients who are, you know, if you get this kind of history to screen them more aggressively, and maybe if you gave them data about what their heart's doing, it might help them, um, you know, change their lifestyle. And I realize that's a little naive when it comes to those kind of problems, but you never know, you might reach somebody. Um, another cause of heart failure is actually chemotherapy. And we've talked about this before, that patients who are uh, cancer patients that are, are at higher risk for heart attack, stroke, and depending on what drugs you were on, there are drugs that cause heart damage. So um, certain medications can cause heart damage. Uh, again, difficult to stop and prevent because you have to do what you have to do in terms of treating cancer, but at least the primary care doctor should be much more aware that a patient had these drugs, had these conditions, and be much more diligent in terms of screening them for disease early, being more aggressive on management in those situations and not assume, oh, this person survived cancer, I'm gonna leave them alone. No, they need more attention. Well, they're not taking a deeper look. The doctors are not taking a deeper look. That's coming back to the compartmentalization of medicine where if you talk about some symptoms you have that might be cardiac, you're being sent to a cardiologist or you're being sent to uh, an endocrinologist or some other specialist but they're not necessarily all connecting the dots. I think very few doctors are connecting the dots. They're all wearing blinders. They're working within their area of expertise. And uh, very few of them are, you know, looking side to side to go, hey, how do I bring in this other doctor, that other doctor, to make sure we're all operating to the same goal, which is look at the total health. And unfortunately, we all know that just doesn't happen. It does not happen at all. And that's why you've got to have somebody quarterbacking your overall health care. Um, and in the high-volume uh, environment of population medicine, that's just not going to happen unless you're in a concierge environment where you're paying someone for that time. And that's unfortunate because I think that, you know, the trend is going to a much worse situation with population medicine because now we're seeing our doctors less and less so the chances of getting the type of screening you're going are pretty much nil. It's going to get worse because of COVID and, and all the political drivers that are making getting to the doctor much more difficult. So that's for the Thursday show, everybody. Right. So, <laughs> so yes, everybody tune yeah. in Thursday at that, 7 o'clock. 
and you can call in and talk to the doctor directly. But so what's the average listener supposed to do? Because well, we have a few more causes. To yeah, go well, go over ahead. A few more. So another more, common, more, causes, more a long uh, list. Heart failure covers a lot of ground. So another cause of heart failure is irregular heartbeats. And regular listeners are going to know a major driver of irregular heartbeats is sleep apnea. And this is why we've got to screen everybody for sleep apnea, because if you identify sleep apnea early, do something about it, you might stop yourself from ever having atrial fibrillation or another type of arrhythmia that may predispose you to heart failure. And even people who've had irregular heartbeats already, believe it or not, are not being tested for sleep apnea. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Oh, you have AFib? Get a sleep study. I mean, unbelievable that people are out there on anticoagulation, you know, on medicines to affect their heart rate, and, they've, and they're getting studies. They're getting electrophysiology studies, ablations. This is like a heart catheterization, except instead of putting a stent in to open your arteries, um, I'll say a super specialist is mapping out the electrical conduction of your heart and zapping, um, burning out the, the aberrant electrical pathways to help you maintain a more normal rhythm. But if you manage your sleep issues better, then your, sleep, then your regular heartbeat might be better controlled and you wouldn't need to go through that kind of procedure. I'm saying a maybe, and there's a, and there's a real chance that that would happen. And it is not being done. I wonder, we talk a lot about the Widowmaker and, uh, you, know, you know, these famous people that die suddenly. They just don't, don't wake up the next morning or drop dead. And you would assume that they get the best of care. But I don't think anybody's talking about these types of tests or discussing sleep apnea or suggesting sleep apnea. Well, this just goes to show you, and we should talk about Bob Saget on Thursday. You right. know, and, I mean, there's no question. Do I know what happened? No. But... I'll say very likely he had a heart attack, you know, well, in, in his obvious. sleep. Yeah. And, and then here's a wealthy, famous person who, you know, who can get any doctor he wants, do whatever he needs to do to take care of himself. And he dies of an, you know, unexpected heart attack. It's a crime. It's a total crime when it's preventable. So I'm thinking about other causes of heart failure. I think I'm running out, you know, of, of, of the major ones. Well, it doesn't matter really what the causes are. The fact is that people wind up one day getting diagnosed with it. And it's kind of the end of the line. You can't turn back. Agree. And, and uh, thyroid disease, sorry, other metabolic disorders, thyroid conditions, parathyroid conditions, kidney disease, heart injuries, trauma, even just like getting into a fender bender and you hit the front of your car, like steering wheel can lead to heart failure down the road. So all of these things need to be known by your doctor, addressed early and aggressively. And I guess the point I wanted to make, Amory, is that all of these root causes that are affecting heart failure and heart disease are pleiotropic. And what that means is this one thing affects many things. Right. Sleep apnea affects many areas of your body. Oral health affects many areas of your body. Insulin resistance affects many areas of your body. If you identify and stop them early, the positive benefits expand exponentially. Mm -hmm. And likewise, leaving it alone doing nothing, the negative benefits have a massive negative impact on you. 
in an exponential way. So the message is that the average listener, the average patient has to take it upon themselves to get in touch with a periodontist, to look into their oral health, and to also get a sleep study. You're pretty much saying everyone should get a sleep study. Yeah, but you know, ideally, you'd get it from a PCP you know, who's in charge of all this stuff because, as we know, the silos exist there. Some could have heart fit, uh, sleep apnea, and the sleep doctor doesn't refer them to the right place. That's true. It's all a mess. So you pretty much have to be your own advocate. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, and the, that wraps it up for the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and again, I want to thank Dr. Colander for talking to us about taking charge of our health, being proactive, avoiding heart attack and stroke, and more importantly, what you can do to halt or reverse the process of chronic degenerative disease. It's never too late to start. For more information on today's show or to learn more about how you can engage with a personal primary care concierge practice, you can call Colander Medical directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you've become more aware of your options in preventing and reversing disease. Once again, you can reach out to Colander Medical at 866-COLANDER. And thank you for listening. Opinions heard in the preceding program are those of the host and guests and not those of Cumulus Media or WJR Radio.